This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Suns. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's www.rendineconsulting.com. Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Suns on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love Week Zero and hate that it took decades to get here, this, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show. A safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Brought to you by Pittsburgh Sports Now. Today is August 24th and welcome to the 2022 season preview. Gentlemen, it is finally here, kinda. I know, we've been thinking about this season preview episode for literal months, probably about six months now, and we got here and realized we have to actually put our thoughts into a podcast. We gotta get it in line, we did some research, now we're ready. Yeah, I can't believe we have to actually do another episode after the season preview. It's a little convoluted, but... I mean, it is. It was the season preview, and then we got a preview West Virginia. So sneak peek, that is what we will be doing next week. Um, but this week, we are going to zoom out a little bit and look at the season at large. But but first, let's knock this out real quick. Um, Kenny Pickett, greatest quarterback alive. Nine Can- for t- 19 for 22 through two games. Has looked flawless, pretty much. And a lot of buzz around Pittsburgh that he could get the start week one. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but a couple hours ago it broke that Schefter, this is on Monday, we're recording on Monday, Schefter. As always, as is tradition. Right, came out and said that if Trubisky quote-unquote stumbles, that could open up the gates for Pickett. And I don't know. It would. I, I'll be interested to see how short Trubisky, Trubisky's leash is. you got to think he's feeling some pressure now. He's a veteran guy. He probably is going to start, but he's been through this enough to know that his seat is hot. I think he probably started feeling pressure when the Steelers spent a first-round pick on a hometown hero and Heisman finalist. But it quickly shifted from he'll start. If he's okay, he'll get the full year. Beyond that, who knows? Now he's in jeopardy of maybe being benched week two, three. And it's, Four. And it's not just like the Five. Pitt fans saying that because they love Pickett. Even those who were anti-Pickett are acknowledging that that could very well just happen. Yeah, yeah, I I would concur. I didn't think I would be rushing, you know, the the change of power uh, at the quarterback position. Um, but I'm a little bit too excited. I I mean, you saw his performance. Uh, my one critique from preseason game one was they obviously weren't really like letting him unleash all of his passes were like five six yards but 
They had him chucking the ball downfield and, and playing a little fast and loose this week. He looked unbelievable in very limited time. And uh, I I have uh, frothed myself up into a lather and uh, didn't like that one. No, not, not, <laughs> not, too much. not even a little Bad bit. Bad visual. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was impressive this week was he, you said he was had it pretty easy. He was late. Against the third stringers, uh, wasn't opening the playbook. This last week, uh, he took some shots. Some Get Kendrick pretty... Green out of there. He's going to get Kenny killed. The O-line sucked. He still made throws. And he had a one-minute drill. Marched right down. Perfection. I mean, he flawless, I think, is the right word. He's looked unbelievable. He has three incompletions and three touchdowns. And one of those incompletions... Was it was a spike to stop the clock? I mean, he's he's been surgical, and uh, what what really excites me is just seeing less and less people pointing out, you know, the things that that they did to try to detract from him, to criticize the Steelers for drafting him, and now it's just like, okay, cool. Well, when can we see him on the field again? I was upset he only got that one quarter i wanted to see a little bit more but can't be too greedy uh you can't give away the Krabby patty secret formula so predictions when when will kenny pick his first start be i'm going to say week five i was gonna say four. Oh god i wish i had the sealer schedule in front of me but uh it's not a very challenging schedule I'm, so, st- I'm still going to say after the bye week because Tomlin will be so, like, devout in his initial plan. So, on one hand, I think Trubisky will be competent enough to hold Pickett off for more than four weeks. But I think if things he hasn't go slightly bad. wrong, then I think the Steelers might pull the trigger quicker than we initially thought. Because they've seen a little bit more than just four passes and... Latrobe. I guess we'll see, but I mean, one thing that's for sure, it's it's a beautiful thing that we are starting to see um, the seeds of Kenny mania starting to get planted in the city of Pittsburgh. Before we get to our next segment, we wanted to take a moment to let our faithful listenership know that the Loyal Sun Show is currently in the market for additional sponsors for the 2022 season. If you or someone you know would be interested in having us promote your goods and or services to Panther Nation via this show and our social platforms, please reach out to us at loyalsunsemail at gmail.com. You can also DM us at the Loyal Sons on Twitter and Instagram. We are happy to provide data on our listenership, engagement, and impressions upon request. All ad revenue will go toward enhancing the quality of our show, increasing our efforts to promote the pit brand, and probably beer. It's been a lifetime since the last time we saw our Panthers in action in Atlanta. For the Peach Bowl, but we are only a week away from the kickoff of the 2022 season. Backyard brawl under the lights at Acrisure Stadium. ESPN primetime 
college game day. And then from there, we get to enjoy football every single weekend until January. How are we feeling about everything that we've prayed, wished, and hoped for finally being directly in front of us, just 10 days away from the time of taping? It's going to be a long 10 days, but we are close enough to where we should preview the season on the podcast that we have that you are listening to. So hopefully this helps you get to game day. I can't believe it's not tomorrow. I can't believe the game is not tomorrow. I can't believe we're waiting 10 more days, but I'm so ready for it. All I can think about is what what we're going to have at the tailgate, what time we're going to get there, when the lots will open. It's all Archie's of, wings. Right. I walked by the gold lot the other day, and I got chills. Yeah. So I'm pumped. It's going to be absolutely electric on the North Shore September 1st, and it's going to be electric on the North Shore on September 10th as well. The amount of electricity, the, the wattage down on the North Shore could depend on the result of that first game but i pitt has never had two such big non-conference games to start the season at home pitt and tennessee coming into the season ranked coming into the season ranked it has the recipe for a season where we'll have better attendance all the all the attendance staters will the only thing that be very jealous of us and a lot of buzz around the program so but those first two games are huge and i think you can kind of break the season into segments and that first two games i would say is its own segment of the season yeah say what you want about west virginia talent wise like they suck talent wise not good a lot worse on paper than Pitt. but those first two games are a big hurdle um if you get through those two and zero, things look very very good but it could be a season ruiner so i recall during our season preview last year actually our first episode uh we, we said that if Pitt can start the first, what was it, five or six games, four or five and one? Everyone figured the first six games, five and one was very doable. Six and oh was on the table as well, and it was going to be six and oh going into the game against Clemson. Clemson would be undefeated. Turned out that wasn't the case. But we got there five and one. Should have got there six and oh. Should have got there six and oh. Um, however, the, the idea was if we could reach, you know, that record at that point, you know, anything that the Panthers wanted was in front of them. All of their goals were in front of them and a realistic possibility. This year, I would say you can say the same thing about the first two games of the season. We aren't going to have to wait long to find out, you know, what this team is going to be capable of in terms of taking home some hardware. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say, if we start the year 2-0, and like book your flights to Charlotte and then the college football playoff, but... If we beat West Virginia, but you should. I probably will. You will be saying that. So. I, I'll be saying it, but I'm not going to tell you to do it. I will, but you don't have to. So if we get through West Virginia on that stage and beat Tennessee, Tennessee team looks pretty tough. At that point, the sky is the limit. Those might be our biggest tests until the last week of the season. So we get through that, we can relax a little bit because we have some non-conference opponents that we should take care of thank you so then let's let's ask the question i won't ask any of you specifically about uh the west virginia game as next week is our backyard brawl preview and we don't want to de-incentivize anyone from tuning into that please Uh, listen please please win and please listen um 
so let's let's teleport right to week two against Tennessee. Do you guys have any particular thoughts? I think that's probably the number one game on the schedule. Either that or the Miami game at the end of the year that I feel like Pitt can lose. There's definitely other teams that Pitt can lose to. We know Pitt always has that game in their back pocket that they shouldn't have lost. But those are all games they should win. They, they should all win. I still think they should beat Tennessee at home. They beat them at their place last year. I think Tennessee's a little better than they were last year. But I think that's a game where you're coming off a rivalry game, regardless of the result, but off a win, you know, it's a super high emotional high. Play it in front of a packed crowd. That next game, you should still be amped up for it. No reason the players won't be juiced up, but it's it's just going to be tough to follow that up. The players won't play in another atmosphere until an ACC championship game that they will have played in front of at the backyard brawl um, again. So I, I'm, I'm worried about the Tennessee game. I'll be nervous for it. I'm really excited for it, but I think it's a very you know coin flip type game that either either team could come out of there with the win. Hopefully both teams are ranked coming into that game, and it'll be fun. It'll be fun to have a ranked matchup on national TV on the North Shore, but that is a – it's going to be a test. Yeah, I think the Tennessee game will be our toughest test. I know everyone has the Miami game circled under the year. That'll have some big implications. But I think Miami will stumble a little bit. Tennessee, I think, will be the toughest test. Um, hopefully, Hendon Hooker gets hurt week one. We get to face Joe Milton again. But if not, it will be what a treat that would be. Yeah. The, the hype will can't. bring your football or your baseball mitts in the first row. <laughs> Heupel can't trot out Joe Milton against Pitt again. He just can't do it. He would have to p- figure someone else out to throw the ball. But Joe Milton probably has flashbacks of overthrowing receivers in Rocky Top. I have flashbacks of Joe Milton overthrowing receivers at Rocky Top. We could have gone down like twenty-one to nothing in that game if they had anyone with. Any sort of, like, touch, accuracy, poise. I was going to say depth perception, but those work too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, I'm Hendon Hooker is, is kind of certified good, and I'm a little bit worried about this team. Um, we were able to outscore them last year. Um, I'm not sure if we have the same team built for that this year, so we'll need to play a little bit better defense than we did in Knoxville. Um, but the only thing giving me solace is uh, it was announced this weekend, Lynn J. Dixon, uh, former Clemson running back, former West Virginia running back. Kind uh, of. Kind technically. of. Technically. Um, is no longer, had, had transferred to Tennessee, no longer associated with the team. Uh, so I'm hoping that that's kind of a uh, an omen. Um, going Having been on three different teams that have lost to, or will have lost to Pitt uh, yeah. by the end of this season in the last two years. Uh, so... I don't know. Maybe maybe he is a grim specter hanging over those programs, allowing Pitt to uh, take advantage of them. Here's a thought. Maybe Narduzzi paid him off. Maybe he's like a man on the inside. Double agent. Yeah. Yeah. A sleeper cell. Lynn J. Dixon will just be a grad assistant at Pitt come this time next week. Loyal son Lynn J. Dixon. <laughs> well, we all think it's important for them to start out 2-0. and Let's say they get through those two games 2-0. and then we have a stretch at Western Michigan. I think we can start saying their name again, even though I don't think we ever stopped. We tried to institute that rule. We were weird about it. If there was a Western the Michigan, were inconsistent. If there was like a swear jar for Western Michigan. We probably could have bought all this stuff ourselves. I'm sending my future kid to college on it. Right. So they go up to Kalamazoo. 
I personally don't see any way they lose to Western Michigan again. I Narduzzi's going to have a grudge. He's going to want to hang some points on them. They're going to have them figured out. Caleb Ellaby's not there anymore. So I think they should probably take care of business. Then you go to Rhode Island the next week for an FCS matchup. Probably will be similar to that of the New Hampshire game last year. You guys have any thoughts on those? We have to spend too much brain power on those two games. Uh, win. Do yeah. not lose. The thought of Pitt going on the road at night against a Mac school has a, an eerie feel to it, but coming off of a loss to them. I would be they don't a, have a quarterback. If LB was back, I mean, we'd respect them. But. I'd be a little more worried if it was just a different Mac school, a different team's name on the mm-hmm. schedule. If they were going at Miami of Ohio that weekend, at OU, You'd well, be torn. Well, we don't have to worry about those Bobcats, but uh, week two, Penn State is inviting you know the Fox into their hen house. Uh, <laughs> the Bobcats coming into Happy Valley about to clean them up. Would it be the first time? No, it would not. So we feel pretty good about those two games. Mm-hmm. After that, we're heading into ACC play, and we've got two teams at home. So Pitt plays five of six home games to start the year. I can't imagine many college football teams Do we division like one two three nai i have some thoughts on it i don't love it i love that we'll get the tailgate five out of six weeks on the north shore in the warmth my girlfriend is so pumped that she gets to tailgate when there is still warm outside right so i guess for her that's pretty good i don't know how i feel about it for the panthers having to end the season on such a you know trip yeah but we have these two games Two ACC foes, two teams that Pitt has owned pretty recently. Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins might be on his way out by this point. Do you think he'll be, they'll be coachless by this game? If they cared enough, probably, but they probably don't care. They'll just let them ride off and finish off a sad season. They lost their best player to Alabama. Uh, yeah. Jameer Gibbs is like a Heisman sleeper slash kind of front runner. Had negative 10 rushing yards against Pitt last year. Just saying. Hmm. And hmm. their new quarterback is uh, Pumashon, Clemson's. Yeah, uh, Tyson. Clemson. Uh, yeah. Person, yeah. He transferred there. I don't know if he's going to win the job, but he transferred there. I'd like to clarify that John and I both know his last name, but we are looking at, it, looking at each other, waiting for one of us to try to pronounce it first. I watched the game not too recently, so I think I'm pretty. Foma? I thought it was Pumashon. Something like that. I thought it was Fomacon. No. Unless ESPN was wrong. That guy. Yes. Either way, they're not good. There's a very good chance they start the year one and four. They've got Clemson. Mm. They will lose. They've got West Carolina. They'll probably beat them. Ole Miss. They will lose. UCF, I don't know how the Golden Knights are looking this year, but you know, not that they're far looking, removed from a, na- a national championship. And then they have Pitt. They travel to Pittsburgh. So there's a very good chance they start one and four. That could be if Narduzzi might put them on the chopping block. If Narduzzi oh. can fire, shake his hand on the way out. If Narduzzi can retire Jeff Collins, that'd be pretty sweet. How sweet it would be. I don't see any way Georgia Tech walks in here without getting their heads blown off. They have not gotten any better since uh, abandoning the beautiful triple option. Oh. They had four straight tries to beat us in their backyard. Now they had to come to Pittsburgh. 
Right. Yeah, it's the first time Georgia Tech's made their way up here. Yeah, see you later. They might, they might get lost on the way to the stadium, especially with the name change. But then you've got homecoming the next week, Virginia Tech. And Pitt absolutely dominated Virginia Tech last year. During the COVID year, they blew them out in Heinz Field. This is a game that feels like we could be at that point in the season. You know, we're 5-0, and we're riding high. We just get out of this one. We'll be six and zero heading into our bye week, and Pitt lays an egg. Yeah, yeah, I I am a little worried about this one. Um, Virginia Tech's bringing out a new coach uh, this year. They parted ways with Justin Fuente and brought in Brent Pry, the defensive coordinator from Penn State, which is already reason enough to dislike him. Like that puts him at a firm number two or number three in the in conference coaches that I do not like. Um, but he also looks like um, Hank Scorpio, uh, Homer Simpson's supervillain boss from that one episode of The Simpsons. I don't, I'm going to assume neither of you get that reference. Not at all. Because uh, neither of you have siblings that were born in the 80s. Um, but I, I think that there's enough of our audience that will get that reference. Look it up. Um, he looks like, he looks like a movie supervillain. Um, and he, coached at Penn State, so he is also a real-life supervillain. Um, but they're also bringing in Grant Wells, a transfer from Marshall to start at quarterback. He was named starter this weekend. Um, wasn't great in Conference USA. Uh, 3,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, 13 picks. Uh, kind of a rebuilding roster, but that wouldn't stop Pitt from pitting if Pitt felt like pitting. Right. I agree. Once again, I, I think this is a game, when it comes around, Pitt should probably be favored by double digits, maybe by two scores. But it's, it is a weird, you know, riding high 5-0 one week before the bye, and they drop one. So this is one that I would keep on the radar, but I still am not that worried about Virginia Tech, especially first year with a new coach. This is a game that if Pitt is, does what they're supposed to do this year and wants to take that next step, wants to get back to Charlotte, this is a game that you just go in and take care of business. So that finishes up that first half of the season where five five of the games are at Akershore Stadium. Then you have a bye week, the one week where we get to watch other college football teams with, for, with our undivided attention. Stress-free, yep. I remember last year, this was the same weekend as the Red River rivalry. Yes. Still can't say it. Yes, I was Fast. at Sorgles Orchard for that. <laughs> yeah, you had to do girlfriend stuff that weekend. Yeah, I don't know how you got out of it. Uh, I was sitting I was sitting in a recliner watching three games. Oh. Red River on the main screen. I had the best day out of all of us because I was watching college football, not in an orchard, picking apples or whatever you were doing. Pumpkins. I was, good for you, I was in a cabin Dick. in Pennsylvania with a number of Penn State fans. So I watched Texas, Oklahoma. Arkansas Ole Miss was electric, uh, Alabama A&M was electric, and then I got to watch Iowa beat Penn State in front of them all. So, craziness on all fronts. I get to watch. Week. I get to watch Penn State Auburn at a majority Penn State bachelor party in Scottsdale uh, the week of Western Michigan, and I'm praying for a similar result. Yeah, can't confirm it was nice. Pitt fans, enjoy your bye week. I know we will. We'll need the we'll need a little bit of rest the next week. The Panthers are heading down to Louisville. That's our road trip this year. I know yeah. we're excited for it. Fun fact, there is a Luke Combs concert on Friday in Louisville that week. If any Pitt fans are, are con- fans of country music, I 
don't think we'll be making the trip out, but, you know, throw it on your itinerary. Also throw on your itinerary um, that in Louisville, the bars close at 4 a.m. as opposed to 2 a.m. So maybe like build in a little bit of extra sleep one or two of the days leading up to the game. Pace yourself and pray for a non-noon kickoff. Louisville has Malik Cunningham. He's going to be the story of their team. A lot of hype around him. Not completely undeservedly so. But I think Pitt's going to rip his head off. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was stretched off the field the last time he came to Oh, he's not coming to Heinz Field this time. But the last time they played, end of the game, stretched off the field. Um, Pitt took care of him pretty well. That whole game, they handled Louisville. They had one or two big plays. Other than that, nobody played well for Louisville. The defense suffocated them. Uh, Cunningham is definitely better than he was then. So you'd think maybe it'll be more of a threat through the air. But uh, I think I trust our defense enough to bottle him up. So unless he's, like, really on. I went back and watched that game a few weeks ago because I was starving for pit football, and I can Mm -hmm. only watch the 2021 game so many times. It's kind of crazy how much how noticeably worse the product was in 2020. I think just the combination of the COVID was it because year. Because of the gray uniforms. The gray uniforms are one thing, but no fans in the stadium. I think everyone was a little less crisp. It was the third game that they had played that season, and it was the COVID year, so there was a lot less preseason stuff, a lot less interacting with the team. It just seemed like there were so many things in that game that were just so sloppy. Maybe it was just worse football. Maybe I'm just so used to Pitt playing such good football after last year. But I'm telling you, go back and watch that game and see. It just feels off. Anyway, this year, Pitt goes down to Louisville. Louisville feels like the team that a lot of people want to be on that same like second-tier level in the ACC, maybe be able to compete for that top spot. But I just don't think they've shown anything recently where i would say that they're going to beat a pit team that is as good as this pit team is going to be this year their defense is pretty bad but they, they don't have a good defense to never have and they have cunningham and some okay skill position guys people act like they were like an eight nine one team last year they had cunningham last year he played great statistically still six one team i mean i think a lot that of says people- a lot about everything around him I think a lot of people are pushing Louisville as a sleeper because, I mean, a a little bit is wishful thinking because how electric are, you know, big-time, highly-touted, dual-threat quarterbacks? You know, that gets gets ratings, that gets eyeballs, that gets, you know, column inches. Your your Johnny Football, Lamar Jackson, Denard Robinson, who definitely belongs in that that trio— I mean, he's he's fun and he's, he's fun. electric, and that's what scares the hell out of me because this pit defense has a propensity to give up home runs, and he has a propensity to produce them. Malik Cunningham ran for twenty touchdowns last year. That is so many. He actually ran for more touchdowns than he threw for. Threw for nineteen, ran for twenty, ran for over a thousand yards. So he's electric. I think Pitt can bottle him up, but definitely a game on the schedule that scares you a little bit. Yeah, that's in the top tier of toughest games. Yeah. yeah. So next, they're heading down to Chapel Hill, two straight road games. North Carolina has to replace Sam Howe. They still bring back Josh Downs. Uh, Luke May's younger brother, I believe his name, Drake May. Drake, Drake May, May is in the conversation for the starting quarterback job. He was announced starter today. 
Look at that. You did your research. I tried. So, breaking in a new starting quarterback, the UNC game has always been weird. Last two years, Pitts got UNC. I'm sorry, last two times they've played at Heinz Field, they went to OT, got them here. But we had Kenny Pickett at the helm. Both games went to OT. Yeah, but they had Sam Howell, so that's yeah. what I don't get. I don't know if it's just because three-time preseason Heisman Trophy winner Sam Howell. Right. Yeah, first overall pick in all your mock drafts. Yeah. I don't understand. Maybe it's just because people think UNC is a little bit better than the rest of the Coastal. But I see a lot of hype around them. I was kind of surprised. I thought after a disappointing season and losing one of the better quarterbacks in your program history, you'd expect a big step back. But I've seen people picking them to be – Second, sometimes even first in the coastal. Uh, I mean, a lot of thirds, but still, I don't see the the buzz there. Yeah, I I agree completely. A lot of uh, analysts have Pitt dropping one to them in like their ACC previews and stuff. Um, I I don't really see it. I I think there's something about that beautiful Carolina blue and having uh, former national champion Mac Brown as your head coach that makes members of the media push you up a little bit in the rankings. I am not afraid of this team at all, and that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. They owned Pitt for the first how many years? Six, seven years that we were in the ACC. So I don't I don't expect to go down there and just trample over the Tar Heels. I, no. I think that could be a tough game. Not at the top of my worry list. We're actually getting to another one pretty soon here that is. But once again, a losable game on the schedule. Can I go to a mini rant right here? Go. This is not directly related to UNC, but this is my example from this year. I look at a lot of previews just by general websites about teams going into the year, and they'll say this team loses their quarterback, they return uh, a running back that rushed for 400 yards, their defense brings back two corners, and they were the 100th best secondary in the country. Uh, their best tackler transferred away. So I think they're going to go like 8-5, and 7-6. and six. It's, You just rattled it off like six reasons why they shouldn't be good, but they still spin it positively every year. I think that's what's happening here. Like I read something that said, well, the big issue last year was penalty yards, uh, poor defensive play, missed assignments, and all this. But if Mac Brown can clean that up in his like fifth year at UNC, they could be pretty good. It's like, why do you think it's going to happen? Mac Brown has clearly demonstrated that he is not the football coach he was so, in like 2005. So UNC is the example I've seen this year. But every year, it's like you just typed like six paragraphs about why this team should be bad, but made the case for them to be good. So I noticed that, and I, yeah, you've I'm convinced, not buying this. Stuff. You've convinced me. UNC stinks. Yeah. Next week, Take we're coming back home. Still scared of them. Next week, we're coming back home. This is a team I am not scared of. We've got Syracuse. Do, do we have to waste too much time here? Are you scared of Syracuse? No, but I am excited that we get to make Sean Tucker uh, jokes again this year that he returned. Honestly, good on him. Totally thought he was transferring. We said that about 100 times, but I, I think he's going to be um, pleased with his performance but not happy with the outcome. 100%. Next week, I'm a little worried about this one. Going yes. down to Charlottesville, Virginia, play UVA Cavaliers. Brennan Armstrong, why didn't you transfer? Why didn't you go to the Pac-12 or something? Oh, my God. He'd be so good at Washington State. I I think any program in the country would have been happy to get Brennan Armstrong. He's, 
He's kind of, I know we don't compliment non-Panthers, but he's kind of got that dog in him a little bit. Yeah. He was the best quarterback Pitt played last year. Yeah. All the hype to Sam Howe, all the hype to Joe Milton originally, then Hendon Hooker. But Brennan Armstrong was the best quarterback we played last year. He will be the best quarterback we play this year. Absolute stud. Played with allegedly broken ribs. I don't know how much they were playing that up coming into that game. Yeah. The thing with him, he's so good. I think Virginia lost all of, if not most, of its offensive line. Yeah. Their like whole entire offensive line. Their defense was one of the worst in the ACC, which and, is kind of saying something. Yeah, and they returned nothing but a few receivers and Brennan Armstrong, and that is enough to have us on edge. They have a few really talented receivers. Dontavion Wicks is back. Keaton Thompson's back. Mm-hmm. They pretty much only lost Jelani Woods, the tight end number zero. So I could see them giving Pitt fits on the offensive side, but they'll probably just let Pitt score sixty points. Well, so that's that's kind of what worries me, to be honest. We were able to beat them last year because Pitt was winning track meets last year. Um, he has Armstrong has no line, but still a lot of his favorite targets, um, which you know you hear a poor offensive line, and that that should get Pitt fans salivating. Um, but I, I think that just kind of increases the potential. Uh, for this game to be an emotional roller coaster, we're gonna we're gonna get them to third and thirty, and he's gonna pull off some schoolyard bullshit because, again, and this is not the last time I'm going to say this this episode, uh, Pitt's defense has a propensity for letting up home run balls. So I think this could be a very frustrating game, and if we don't put the clamps down and generate a passing game of our own, I think we we could be potentially in the market for an upsetting result. So here's a proposition. How about instead of getting to attract me with Virginia that game, we just give Izzy and Hammond and Daniel Carter and Vincent Davis collectively like 48 carries, control 45 minutes at the clock, and then, yeah, just one. I know that's what Narduzzi wants to do. Yeah. That is what he wants. He was – he had to be absolutely ill over – scoring 48 points and letting up 38 last year. So maybe we'll see a little bit more of that on a serious note. Could help. Yeah, probably could. Help the defense. Okay. November 19th, you've got the Duke Blue Devils coming to Heinz Field. Acre Shore State. I'm never going to get you. You've got them coming yeah. to the – Yeah, you've got Duke coming to the North Shore. I don't really want to waste too much time here. Duke is – Abysmal. It's Duke football. It is what it is at this point. They had their – the run they they won a coastal title, but they got Danny Dimes up in New York, but that's about it. I love Duke right now because um, as the realignment conversation continues to absolutely monopolize the college football discourse, uh, the question around Duke isn't like, well, could they go there? Could they go there? It's like, would they consider folding their football program? Yeah, would they go basketball only? Would they go basketball only? I think that says um, all that we need to say about the Duke Blue Devils, and we can move on to a much, much, much more important matchup. Well, actually, Duke. I think Duke could be a... No, I'm not going to... Just shut up. So we've Fuck got... squid. We're heading down to Miami, Coral Gables. Last game of the regular season. This is a game that I think... Every Pitt fan has scheduled. If you're looking to 
get a flight down to Miami for the game. They are not cheap. Don't worry. We've been looking for months. Thanksgiving weekend, this the ACC did this on purpose. They want this game to they be the, to the de facto Coastal Championship. Will it be? I mean, probably. Yes. I can't imagine either team dropping more than one or two games. And if they do, something went horribly, horribly wrong. I I don't want to use the word collapse, but something would have had to go rather astray for this to not be exactly what John just if said. If you ask either fan base, Pitt fans or Miami fans, if they say that last game would be meaningless and you're not in contention, uh, there's going to be some protesters outside of the head coach's houses because it's a huge letdown. It's Charlotte or bust for both of these teams. So Miami's crossover game is Clemson this year. They have Clemson the week before the pick game. I think Clemson will be better than Miami this year, so that's one game I'm already counting on the schedule. I don't know if there's another team from the Coastal that can rise out of that middle tier, but I think there's a better chance that Pitt is the only team playing for a Coastal title in this game than it is that Miami would be the only team playing for the Coastal title. I'm not ready to crown Miami until they do better than 7-5. and five. I know Tyler Van Dyke's back, I know they always recruit well. I know Cristobal did great things at Oregon. He hasn't done great things at Miami yet. I'm not ready to crown them. I Great things at Oregon with an asterisk. I've started to see a little bit more opposition research that I really like from some sports journalists. They're like, well, if you actually dig into Cristobal's, uh, you know, um, time, his tenure as head coach at Oregon – uh, it's a lot less impressive than it looks. You know, there are a lot of people bringing up how little he got out of Justin Herbert, who is apparently the most gifted human ever born when it comes to throwing a football. Um, and, you know, lost a lot of games that they very much should have won, were a lot softer than they had any right to be. Uh, and I choose to believe those people because it suits the outcome that I would like to happen. I'm more worried about Miami more so than this is the year Miami's going to be great. I'm more worried about Miami because they always give pit fits. Other than the yeah. year that Kenny Pickett beats number two Miami, they always seem to just make it, made us pay for that. They make huh? it tough, and they always have athletes all over the field, South Florida athletes. I know that's kind of just the generic thing to say about the U, but they always have those guys, and it does worry me that this would be a game where – even if Miami's coming into this game six and five, I'm going to be worried about them going down to Miami to play them. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, the thing I hang my hat on is everyone acts like once Van Dyke took over as the quarterback, they were just undefeated, looked like the best team in the country. They lost to Florida State still with Van Dyke as their quarterback. They still had their flaws. They just happened to have a really good first half against Pitt. And Pitt had a really bad first half against Miami, and that was the difference. So uh, they have our number. I don't know what their play style will be like under Cristobal. I assume they'll be running the ball more. But either way. They, they also have Josh Gaddis as their offensive coordinator, which means they will be running the ball more. Yeah, so maybe that plays in Pitt's favor because last year they were spreading it out, screens, thinks and dunks outside. I admittedly don't know much about Josh Gaddis's uh, offensive philosophies, but if he 
watches any film of the game last year against Pitt and doesn't have Van Dyke throw the ball 40 times, Chris Ball should have him fired before they leave yeah. the stadium. So you might, you might be right about that one. Um, I don't know. I already have this game chalked up as a W just because when we met, anytime we've met with a player in the last month, whether that be the golf outing or an interview, they mention how long this game has been circled. It's a revenge game, a lot on the line. Got to get there first. Long ways to go. We've got a few months. So real quick, don't have to give who the losses are to, anything like that. What's our record predictions for Pitt? Regular season only. Squid, I know you got something. I give us one loss. Wow. 11 and 1? Giving us one loss. Who's the one loss to? So my top pick for our one loss is going to be Tennessee, which will stink if that's the way it plays out because after week two you're thinking, well, no national championship, no playoff, all this and that. If you get your Uh, loss out of the way early and then Tennessee goes on to be really good in the SEC. Could help. Miami is good. You still beat them. You never know. You could still we're not way back. You know, we're not starting playoff talks in the preseason. No, but uh, that's one that scares me the most. It'd be a lot more fun if we did. Yeah. Uh, th- honestly, I've been thinking about this for months. It's all I've thought about um, since, you know, the, the first spring of spring, you know. Uh, but I don't think I've nailed down a number. I see, I see a floor. I see a ceiling. Um, you know, the the floor is you know a. And and we'll I'll get more into this when we talk about our X factors for the year. Um, but you know, there's there's some stuff I could see going wrong that results in three or four losses. But that is the floor, and for pit football in our lifetime, that is a high floor. But but the ceiling. The ceiling for this football team is just eyeballs emoji. Twelve and zero. You're the one who said we don't talk about the playoff in the preseason. I was just asking for a regular season record. Okay, your point has been made. Well, since you have to be difficult and not give a record, just the ceiling and a floor, I will clean this up. I'm just going to say 10-2. and two. I think there's losable games on that schedule. I think we'll win some of the losable games, and I think in classic pit fashion, they'll probably drop one that we aren't expecting. All the ones that we called out as losable, they will lose one of the other ones, and that's just how it works. And until they prove me wrong in my pit fandom, I'm going to have to chalk up that weird loss every year when we give these predictions so 10 and 2 i still think they win the coastal mm-hmm. and i think they head back to charlotte and i think they're gonna be facing clemson coming out out of the atlantic i'll go pit nc state charlotte i agree with john um i don't think it's any secret that i am not as high on that i'm not just assuming a clemson mega bounce back you know, the likes to which I, I think a lot of people are anticipating. They still need to teach DJ how to throw a football, uh, and, and that doesn't seem like something that happens very easily. I like NC State um, a little bit more than Clemson, and I think I think this is the year Pitt could finally uh, get the 
wolf pack monkey off its back because they have dominated us dominated us in every sport since the year we joined the ACC. I I don't know who I would rather play. My my thing with Clemson is I just think I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I do think they will just figure it out. They might just throw in Cade Klubnik four games into the season and he pulls a Trevor Lawrence and they just ride him the rest of the way. Dabo's done it before. He pulled Kelly Bryant after he played in a playoff game for Clemson. Trevor Lawrence came in. Obviously, I don't want to call Klubnik Trevor Lawrence, but I think they're going to figure God, it out. please don't be new Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that's let's avoid that. But I think Clemson will figure it out. NC State, definitely the best contender to win that spot. Devin Leary scares me. If we have to play Devin Leary, I'm anticipating he'll throw for 350 yards. I don't think we're going to play Devin Leary. I think we're going to get Clemson and Charlotte. So that's the hope. We've got a long way to go. A whole lot of season in front of us. But I'm glad we could do the this mental exercise and put ourselves in in our seats in a cold November day against Duke at Heinz Field. Mm. I'm now enjoying that September 1st game against West Virginia so much more. Please just win that first game. Please win. Please. Please. With the season on the horizon, looks like it's another good time to open up the fan mailbag, see what kind of questions you loyal sons out there have for us leading into the season. Um, There are two we really wanted to focus on this week. Um, The first one parlays very nicely off of uh, our season predictions, which is why we selected it. Uh, And this one comes from uh, Christian from Ross Township. Hey guys, huge fan of the show. Uh, can't wait for the big tailgate on September 1st. Haven't cracked a beer in a couple years, and I'm excited to get back on the horse. Uh, who are your X-Factors for Pitt this year if they want to make some playoff noise uh, going towards the end of the season? So uh, Christian from North Hills, he wants to know what your guys' X-Factors are. Well, first off, Christian, love to have you down there. Pace yourself because I haven't cracked a beer in a few years. I'm happy to hear that you're breaking the seal for the backyard brawl. Good for you. But I really think the big position spot for me is the cornerbacks. Replacing Damari Mathis will not be that easy. He played a lot of football at Pitt, played four years pretty much at that corner spot. And there are two guys probably jockeying to take most of the snaps there mj devonshire and aj woods and although those guys have played a lot of football it's not like they're brand new guys who are getting thrown into the mix i think there's a drop off there from damari mathis and that's not anything against those guys it's more so damari mathis was a fourth round pick this year he was a really productive college player and that that leadership that senior stability there is going to be pretty tough to replace and in a Pat Narduzzi defense, those cornerbacks have to be really, really good. And I, I have some nightmares of those early Narduzzi days. I'm thinking Pitt, Virginia Tech in 2016 when they were shredded by Bucky Hodges and Isaiah Ford. That That's a position that could really sink Pitt pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It was promising to see A.J. Woods come on a little bit. I know week three, four, 
he looked like a guy who shouldn't be on the field. He made some plays later on in the year. He looked a lot more solid in coverage. Same with Devin Shavers' first year playing corner, like full year in pit system. Uh, and he seemed to always be in the right place, just sometimes wasn't making a play on the ball. So hoping those two take a little bit more of a step forward and are uh, solid guys there. I think that was going to be my first pick, too. Yeah, actually, Dylan, you stole that one from me as well. Sorry. I'll change it up here. This is not a player, but it's a... Wait, can I throw one more thing on the corners real quick? Yes. Um, it bugs me out a little bit how suspiciously little we've heard about them coming out of camp. We've heard so much hype about the offensive line, the defensive ends, the linebacker, the linebacking group coming together, the safeties, Hallett and Hill, and what a dynamic duo they are. Uh, you know, the, could be the best pairing we've had even above, you know, uh, Ford and Hamlin potentially, uh, but still not hearing a lot about the corners, and that kind of silence is unnerving to me. So definitely something I'm going to be watching against West Virginia, and I know we all will. We didn't mention Marquez Williams. I think he's the best of the three. Yeah, we yeah. didn't mention him. So. He he, I, he has one of those spots locked up, and I think he's really solid. So I'm less concerned with him, more concerned with who takes up a lot of those Devonshire Woods. Uh, Javante Royal might even get some looks there. They, they play. They cir- cir- cycled in. Try that again, Dylan. Cycled in a good bit of guys there last year who played sparing snaps, and I think they'll probably ride with those top three of Williams, Woods, and Devonshire. Yeah, I will say my X factor is the run game. Uh, I think we like both positions involved in that a good bit. The offensive line, everyone's back. Should be pretty good. Running backs, stable floor running backs. Talked about them playing. Izzy Hammond. But if you look back, everyone in those two groups was here last year, and there are times we could not run the ball at all. Uh, picked up towards the end of the year, the Clemson game, ran the ball down Clemson's throat. But it was the mixture of the inability to run the ball and just the inability to i just start that over. It was a mixture of the inability to run the ball and the inability to get the run game going last year. So it was, was it an inability or just a, a lack of will? Lack of any desire to. I don't know. Early on, I remember watching the Tennessee game. They couldn't run the ball. They had to yeah. pick it back. And they tried. Granted, they threw it 40 times a game. They did try earlier in the year to run the ball and there wasn't a lot going, so they rightfully abandoned it. So I hope you'll be on the same page there, get some push, and be consistent. I do wonder how much Whipple cared to develop the running game at all, Mm. how much time that was spent in practice, or was last year, and God bless his soul, was last year uh, showcase Kenny Pickett, that was the main goal. Showcase Kenny Pickett for the entire 2021 season. It worked. We won the ACC championship. Kenny was a first-round pick. There's One of the things we've heard from camp was Coach Signetti is a lot more hands-on with the other position groups. Mark Whipple basically just dealt with the quarterbacks, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping Signetti has a track record. I definitely think the run game will be improved, but I agree it's an X factor. This offense, gonna, offense will need to be able to run the ball this year Yeah. to – you know, make up for what we lost with losing Kenny. If Slovis is as good as his ceiling, he still might not be Kenny Pickett. 
and that's okay. But well, there's only one Kenny Pickett. Exactly. We sing that sometimes. All the, the time. Lookout. So if he's a little bit worse than Pickett, we need to pick it to be Kenny Pickett at his apex to win a few of those games. So uh, we either have to rely on Slovis to be really good all the time or give him some help. And I think we can do that. It's just a matter of every week in the run game show up and provide some balance and a punch. You know, this uh, conversation on our offensive composition segues perfectly into my X factor, which is not a position group, but our head coach, Pat Narduzzi's own conservativeness. That is what worries me about this year. I wanted to use the word stubbornness, but I'd like him to come on the show sometime. And in the off chance he hears this, I don't want him to think that I think he has any negative qualities. Coach, you are perfect. I love you. Um, Honestly, he might take being called stubborn as a compliment. He's a football coach. That is true. That is true. So but my, my point is um, it worries me deeply now knowing that there were games last year where Kenny Pickett was putting on a laser show and Pat Narduzzi was sitting on the, the sidelines fuming about it because they were passing the ball instead of running the ball and giving the defense a break. So what, I, what I'm a little bit worried about here is it's very hard to win at the college level without the ability and or will to throw the football. Even with a great defense, but especially with a great defense that has a tendency to let up. And here's number three, the home run ball. It worries me. It, it puts a definite cap on you. Think about Clemson, how good their defense was last year. They were still in close games that they should not be because they could not move the football through the air. And it worries me that Pitt might... Uh, follow that same mold where games that we should be winning by 30 we're only winning by seven because we played possession the entire game it is a little different than clemson though dj stunk keaton won't stink and i don't think they're not gonna throw the balls 18 times a game this year there's no way they revert to that me and dylan looked at each other as you were saying that because i think we had the same thought we thought you were going there Pitt isn't the big 10 yeah how dare gonna, you insinuate that I was insinuating that? You made it seem like we're going to turn into Wisconsin or Iowa and, and win games 17-12 to 12 and pass for 110 yards. Maybe I'm being hyperbolic. You didn't actually mean that. I'm sorry. That was mean. But I don't think it's going to be that drastic. I just worry because he, he being Coach Narduzzi, has had a tendency to play conservative. Remember that one game we don't talk about against that team we don't talk about in that central Pennsylvania town? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, you remember the thing at the goal line? Yeah. You remember the thing. Everybody remembers the thing. I'm just worried because his priority is so clearly the defense and keeping the defense off the field. This isn't any better. I think Narduzzi legitimately, like, mine went blank and didn't realize the like game and situation oh man that's like way worse it's way worse but think about learned think think about all the times last year how many times the pit go for it fourth and five for them take a shot maybe that was whipple maybe that was more the trust in kenny but if keegan can kind of breed that same confidence in the coaching staff what what makes you think narduzzi won't go back to that but that's the thing success with it we don't know if that was whipple or not and i'm saying i think it was kenny i i don't think whipple can go is going out if Dude said send the punter out, send the kicker out, that's who's going out. Whipple ain't overrolling him. Yeah, but 
to to say that he doesn't have as much final say, he being Whipple doesn't have as much final say in the play calling. Um, if that were the case, wouldn't we have run the ball more last year? If Narduzzi is always going to get his way, we would have run the ball more last year. I don't think it's about... I'm just saying, I think there's a difference between a run-pass split and completely going against whatever philosophy you used last year about going for it. But with how much messaging is coming out of that training camp about, yeah, we are going to run the ball more this year. The number of you know, offensive line commits and uh, and recruits that have given interviews on Panther Lair and said, yeah, they're really selling me on how much more they're about to be running the ball. I just, there's a little bit of a worry that to benefit the defense in some way that Pitt is going to put all of their, their chips into that bag and, and run the ball and it will allow them to stay close against better opponents, but it will also allow worse opponents to hang around a little bit. And when you have the propensity to let up an 80-yard pass, that can change the complexion of games very quickly, especially if running the ball is not working the way it did not against Tennessee. Because Dylan and I were watching that game on Thursday. We took the day off. It was pit day on the ACC network, and it looked like Izzy was running into a stone wall every single play. I will counter by saying Keaton Slovis didn't come here to hand the ball off 30 times a game. They, they're going to trust Keaton Slovis. I think they'll probably run around 30. The exact snap count will be a little weird, but... Because they'll be up by so much. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, of course, of course, of course. Yes. Point okay. taken. Point taken. I, I have a little bit of... I don't have as much fear as you do, but I do think there's a piece of that that I'm still worried about. If if Dews, you know, is feels a little ballsy at all this year and, you know, uh, lives on the edge at all and he shows that in the West Virginia game, all of this will fade away for me. Yeah. He's got to find the right balance. Yeah. Hopefully we'll find it soon. If, if we get a double pass on, like, a fourth and two against West Virginia, that will be enough in my brain to take me from where I am and the monologue I just gave to, oh, we are making the playoff. Can't wait. Okay. We got our best fan mail question yet. I love this one. Anyone listening, these are the type of questions we're looking for. I love breaking down the X factors and how worried we are about Narduzzi's play calling and how they're going to throw the ball. Not nearly enough. This is our our bread and butter. The yes. fan questions. Because at the root of it... This is a this is a fan podcast. Do you know how many times it took for someone to explain the difference between the star and money linebacker to me before I like conceptualized it? We are not X's and O's guys. We but we can sure as hell tell you the the best way to get drunk before a noon kickoff and you know all of the off the field stuff. We are this is a fan show. Perfect. So this is from an, an anonymous anonymous emailer. Hey guys, big fan of the show. Want to stay anonymous in case this got back to the people it's about. Very smart disclaimer there. My girlfriend invited a couple of her friends to come to the game and tailgate with us months back. I was able to get her friends two tickets at a discounted price since I'm a season ticket holder. Loyal son. I guess since seeing what tickets are going for, her friends realize a pretty nice profit could be turned by selling them. Upper levels are going for 200 plus and the discounted price was around 50 bucks. 
They asked us to send them the tickets so they could explore selling them and just watch the game at a bar after the tailgate. I I already know where this is going. No, no, no. My reaction was absolutely not. If I wanted the tickets sold for a profit, I'd do it myself. The one issue is that they already paid me for the tickets. The tickets are on the mobile app, so they don't have the tickets in their possession yet. I told my girlfriend going to give them... I told my girlfriend that I will gladly send them the money back if they don't want to go to the game, but I'm not going to give them the tickets just to sell. I get that nothing really changes for me whether they keep the tickets or not, but it's the principle of it. I can sell these tickets myself and make some cash, or I'm sure I can find a pit fan who's looking for tickets. God forbid they sell them to a West Virginia fan. I think my girlfriend is in agreement with me, but she generally tries to avoid conflict in any capacity. My question, am I the asshole? And if not, what do I do from here? I'll say it. They're the assholes. You are in the right. I like how this question is clearly framed to be like asked on Reddit. Uh, I. They are assholes. Like that is that is a shysty thing to do. The people who want to sell the tickets. Yes. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement there. So we can knock his first question out. Are you the asshole? No. You are a hundred percent in the right here. But it does get tricky with how he goes about this because they have sent him the money. I'm sure it's like a Venmo or something or whatever. I'll send them the money back. They know the people. It's not just some Joe Schmo on like the internet. Right. And when you, if they've paid you for it, then that ticket is their property and technically, you know, it is none of your business what they do with it. But them doing that is shitty. The thing is, he hasn't sent them the tickets yet. He is still in possession of all the tickets. If he had already sent them the mobile tickets, if he sent them then, already, he's out. He's shit out of luck. Yeah, that is I feel bad is. for the guy. He got used for 150 bucks profit, but so you do there. Looking at it from his point of view, I, if he wanted to sell the tickets, he could sell them himself and make like 300 bucks on the pair. He clearly doesn't want to do that. He wants them to go to a pit fan, it, or else it seems like. Also, you only get that ticket price if you are a season ticket holder. So he had to make the phone call, call into the ticket office, purchase these tickets, whatever. It's a, it's probably a 10-minute ordeal. I know when we did it, it, it's not that difficult. But at the end of the day, he went out of his way to get them these tickets. No, you're not the asshole. And I think here's how I would frame it. I would go, see... The girlfriend makes us a little tougher. It always does. <laughs> because if he They have wa- such a talent for doing that. Because if how much do you like her friends? That's the thing. If if these are <laughs> friends that he gets along with, then well, I if we th- frame it that way, we could be getting our man <laughs> in some trouble. True. Mm. Okay. Well he he's anonymous. So hypothetically, he does get along with these these friends. They interact fairly often. <laughs> I say he could always go back and say, you know, I have a couple buddies, Greg and Jimmy. They don't have tickets yet. Mm. I really don't want them paying 200 for a ticket. Sorry. That'd be a good way about it, yeah. If you guys, you know, if you really don't want to go to the game, don't don't go to the game. Go watch it. I'll have them pay you a little extra for the tickets so you have some money to buy drinks at TC. Do not send them those tickets because they – there's no reason they should make 150 bucks. They're not season ticket holders. No, I, I agree with you. My my issue and the reason that I think that they're shitty for this is because 
the intention changed after money was exchanged. Like, right. like they were, mm-hmm. they, they said if it would be totally different if they went to him and said, yo, we could, we could flip these and, can and you make get some me money. take it so I can sell them. And <laughs> he could get a little, little cut of that. And I, whoever wrote us in, I, I think that is an idea that you should broach. I have a two part idea. And, and part two is that you should say like, Hey, if you're going to do this, I went through the trouble. Let me get a little finder's fee. I do think that it is uh, not very good of them that they took the U-turn there. Um, when I first read this, I kind of thought like, oh, don't be a narc, dude. Like, if, if they're buying the tickets off you, it's just kind of smart business. But I can understand why he'd be upset. Um, I think the first thing he needs to do if he is going to sell them these tickets is say, this is going to a pit fan. You are not putting two more West Virginia fans in Acrisure Stadium on September first. Here's the thing: uh, if they're mobile tickets, do West Virginia fans have smartphones? <laughs> yeah, that's a, a really good question. Yeah, he might not have to worry about it. Yeah, but you know, assuming that there is one that made it out of the wilderness of sure uh, of West Virginia, um, I my take would be, you know. You don't want to complicate things with your girlfriend or your own relationship with her friends because that can be very bad. You give it to them and it's contingent on, one, these go to pit fans, and two, it would be the right thing to do if they threw you a couple bucks. I haven't checked the app recently, but you don't get the add-on tickets until within 48 hours of game time. So we have our season tickets. We get ours. I think we have them already. But if you purchased additional tickets through being a season ticket member, you don't have them right now. So if I'm him, is it extreme to say, I will give you these tickets like four hours of the game time? You guys can walk into the game with us. Yeah. Can you can you do that so they can't sell them? At that point, you're... You're kind of just being like annoying about <laughs> you it. Are, you are being a narc at that <laughs> yeah. point. That is probably the <laughs> best way to piss them off. Yeah. And and no one really benefits. Yeah. But I I like where you're coming from. I if they piss him off enough, I think that's the route he should go. I think what I would do is I'd send them back the money and be like, if you guys want to come to the game, you can send the money back to me. If not, I'm gonna find someone who wants these. Because I bought these tickets so you guys could go to the game at a reasonable price. I didn't buy these tickets so two strangers could pay two pay you two hundred for them. Yeah, but again, you are you are seriously complicating, you know, the dynamic there. Then. Well, here's the thing: he mentions his girlfriend might be on board. He thinks she's in agreement with him, but generally tries to avoid conflict. So I guess yep. he has to feel her out. There's also a key phrase there, I think. And <laughs> typically, when we, as men, try to analyze the inner, you know, uh, psychological workings of uh, women, um, that is that is an ill-fated endeavor. Uh, no, it happens they say when you when assume. You, you make an ass out of you and me. Yeah. So we might be making an ass out of him and us, but... That's the price you pay to prevent West Virginia fans from getting into the game. Either way, this guy yeah. is a, a, a bit of a soldier, isn't he? He is a, lo- he is a true loyal son. Yeah. Feel free that... to swing by the tailgate, yeah. introduce yourself. Cold we, lot. We'd love, to, we'd love to shake your hand. and don't, Thank you for your commitment. Don't, don't bring the friends, though. Yeah. Thank you for your commitment to pit football and keeping the hoopies out of our backyard. 
and I don't know if we helped him at all, but we gave you a whole bunch of ideas. So try try one of those, follow up with us and let us know how it works because we want to know how this plays out. I'm very curious. And, and other listeners, if you have similar questions that don't make us pretend to know X's and O's, but we can talk about, you know, the physics of, uh, you know, beer funneling or something like that, please. This is, this is our lane. See you in gold lot. See you in gold lot. Welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. We have a very special guest, 2021 ACC Championship Game MVP, Pitt Safety, Eric Hallett. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing good. Glad to be here. Uh, first question, get right to it. Where is the MVP trophy right now? Is it on a mantle somewhere? <laughs> Funny you say that. It actually is. It's in my, uh, it's in my bedroom. It's in uh, my stand. See, we were hoping we would have it like over your shoulder in the Zoom background. Be a nice touch. <laughs> no, I, I, that's that's like no, I can't do that one. <laughs> Keep it safe. Yeah. So you've been at Pitt for a little while now. Uh, before we get into your playing career leading up to that ACC championship game, tell us about what brought you to Pitt. Um, to make a really long story a little bit shorter, um, it was really Coach Bates. Um, I mean, y'all probably know um, Pitt doesn't really recruit Texas a whole lot. Um, and I think my first year year here, Bates was named the defensive coordinator. And um, him from his time at Northwestern, he's known people in my area, people in my school area, kind of. And um, when he got here, he was like, hey, dude, he's like, I know this guy out of Texas. I know we don't really recruit Texas type thing, but shoot, I want him. And I guess that convinced him enough to take a chance on me. Yeah, I am. Were there any other schools that could have had you through the recruiting process? Were you close to committing anywhere else, or was Pitt kind of the leader from from the jump? Um, no, Pitt definitely wasn't the leader. Um, honestly, it didn't come in until really late in the process. I think maybe two weeks before signing day. Um, so honestly, I I knew nothing about Pitt going through the recruiting process for the most part. Um, when it really came down to it, it was Pitt, um, Washington State, and Tulane. Um, those are so, the three I'm deciding on. So was it Coach Bates that ultimately led you to commit to Pitt? Like you said, not a whole lot of guys from Texas come with Pittsburgh, so there must have been something that caught your eye or made you uh, take that leap of faith across the country. Yeah, it was, it was definitely his crazy talk that convinced me. <laughs> so did you not even get up here for a visit before you committed? I did. That's That's the thing. So, like, Timeline. I was um I was actually committed to Washington State for the longest. Um, I committed there before my senior year, and then I decommitted. Come I think January type time, and you know signing day is February or the old signing day, used right. to be February. Um, I think the first weekend of, or the first week of February that Wednesday. Um, so I decommitted from Washington State early January, and after that, like recruiting started to pick up crazy. Whatever, whatever taking visits every weekend, going to visit this coach, talking to the phone on this coach. Um, and I think it was, like I said, like two weeks before signing day. And um, actually, Dews and Salem, <laughs> to me, Turbo, came down and um, they came down to my school. Um, just random, surprised me. I didn't even know they were coming. I, I don't even think my head coach really knew they were coming. Um, came down, talked to me for a little bit, yada, yada, yada. And then I think the following week, 
the O-line coach who's no longer here came down and visited me as well. And so I was talking to them, yada, yada. I, re I really didn't think much of it at the time. I was just like, okay, everybody's wanting to recruit me now because I'm uncommitted guy. I was really like, we were a relatively good team in Texas. Um, so they're trying to find last minute guys type thing. Um, and the more and more I started to talk to them, I was like, okay, like, I I'm not seeing where, where, where all this traction just randomly came from. And then I was actually being recruited from Northwestern, which is the school Bates was previously at. And that like communication just like ceased, which I thought was really weird because I, <laughs> I was, I thought I was in pretty good with them. Um, and then I think the week before, like literally the weekend before signing day, I took a visit out there um, and saw Bates. It was crazy. I don't know why he didn't tell me. Um, <laughs> it was like he wanted to surprise me or something. But um, uh, I, took a, I took a visit out there and I was like, oh, wow. So this is where you've been the whole time. This is, this is where all of this is sparked from. And he's like, yeah, this is, we've been kind of trying to set this emotion. I couldn't really do too much because I was just, I'm new here. Um, but I definitely put your name in the hat. I made sure they came down and visited you type thing. Um, then it got kicked off from there. So we can thank Randy Bates for that pick six in the ACC championship. Absolutely. It's all credit to him. A little bit of credit to you, but <laughs> mostly Coach Bates. So obviously it's on record that safety is a pretty tough job in the pit defense with you know, what they assign you. What would you say for someone like us who – we don't know the X's and O's of football all that well. We just watch the games and see what happens. What yeah. do you think is the toughest part about playing safety in a Pat Narduzzi defense? Um, it's probably just the thing that makes it so hard, I think, is just the amount of space that you have to play with. Um, a lot of people say the hardest thing to do in college football is open field tackle. And being the field safety, that's what you have to do all the time. So I think that's just something that I don't think is necessarily like – it might be more difficult if you just want to give it a name or something, but like, I don't really view it as that because the crazy things that the D tackles have to do, they have to take on double teams eight games out of the year. Defensive ends have to get crack blocked eight games out of the year, 12 games out of the year. Um, our corners are out there on an Island. Obviously they have a really, really tough job out there. Um, so I think everybody in our defense really has a tough job. I don't, I don't, I don't say I don't like when people give, the field safety such a such a a bad rap for being so hard but I mean it is a difficult job but I don't I don't want to undermine any other job that's on the defense you know what I'm saying yeah I guess that makes sense each of them individually are pretty tough but once everyone's on the same page clicking it's a work of art as we've seen exactly so is there something in particular that you've really focused on uh throughout the offseason camp that you've wanted to improve on because you've been playing football here for a little while now you played early in your career and now you're the seasoned veteran. So what are the things that you're focused on? I think more than anything um, with being able to get like a year, like yet last year where I started, um, I played a lot of meaningful snaps. Um, it's really just like patience and um, not rushing things. I think being out there in the field, speaking of that, it's, it, you, you can, you have the tendency to like speed a lot of things up. Cause I have so much space. I got to try to guess where he's going. I got to try to make sure I'm, I'm in his hip no matter where he's at. But I think a lot of the time, if you just really slow things down, slow the game down, um, whether that be watching film, whether that be going out there practicing your craft or whatever it may be, just slowing the game down and, and having patience when you go out there. I think that helps out, helps you out a lot. Well, that's one thing you've learned through your time here at Pitt. Being a fifth year guy, 
do you feel like you have some type of responsibility to mentor those younger guys in the secondary? And do you think it's, is it more of something that you're going out to them and pointing out little things where they can improve? Or is it those guys reaching out to you, asking you as a season vet? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, going into that, like I'm, obviously I'm, I'm fifth year guy. I can't take credit for the player I am today without DeMar Hamlin being in front of me, without Paris Ford being in front of me without Jazzy Stalker being in front of me, Dennis Briggs being in front of me. Like, I can't – I asked them pay probably too many questions, <laughs> way too many questions. They probably got annoyed with me, like, bro, who's this little freshman <laughs> always in my ear? But, um, like, I, I, I really appreciate the, the help that they've given me. And so now looking back and having played a little bit, now for the guys that are under me, the guys that are coming up, either the guys that are being recruited or the guys that I'm playing with who haven't had as much experience as me, I feel like I, I'm, I owe them in a way to um, just share the knowledge. Hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is how the game's going. Hey, this is how you can clean up your technique a little bit. This is how this how will make this job a little bit easier. Um, this is where your eyes should be so that you don't try to get lost type thing. So it's easy to get lost out there. Um, just a little tidbits to make his game easier. So maybe he doesn't have to go through the struggles that I went through. He could already be at level 300 where I had to start at level 100 type thing. And I think that's, I think that goes for everybody, really, just trying to make it better for the next, trying to leave it better than you, than you can. Yeah, speaking of those guys behind you, I think about a week ago, Coach Sanders in an interview said that this is maybe the deepest safety room he's had since he's been here. So uh, have you noticed that too? Or have you seen a lot of young guys uh, showing flashes early on? I know we have you and Brandon Hill holding it down up front, but is it nice to see all the depth come in behind yeah. you? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of depth. I think we're really deep, especially in the safety room. Um, I think especially just looking through camp, I think it's a lot of guys just playing at a really high level. Um, competition out there is crazy every day. Everybody likes to go out there and compete. Nobody likes to lose. And if you lose, it's hey, what can I do better? What can I what can I improve so I'm not losing this rep again? What can I improve so I won't see this look again type thing? Um, so yeah, I definitely think those guys are are stepping up in a big way. You mentioned that competition. Obviously, a big part of that competition is against those receivers. What, what have you seen from that receivers room? Because there's been a lot of praise about those guys at a camp, a couple of transfers coming in with Kanade and Bob Means. Uh, Jared Wayne has been here. We know what he brings, Jalen Barden, Jaden Bradley, all those guys. What, what do you see from that room right now? What, what do they look like? Honestly, it's just consistency. Um, like I said, we compete every day, and we all love to compete. Uh, but they just – their group – it's at least since I've been here. Um, and I think this really started with Trey Tip a couple of years back, but uh, he's kind of instilled in them and it's continued to grow. Just come in there and work. It's not no, oh, well, I need the ball, this, I need, like it's that, that type thing. A lot of the guys just come in there and work. I see them six o'clock at night after practice going and hitting jugs or going over concept, play concepts, going in there to coach Underwood and, hey, how can I, how can I get off this release better? How can I, get off my press better or whatever, whatever. I think they just sit down and work, put their head down and work. I'm sure regarding those talented receivers is a little bit easier when you have a guy like Brandon Hill next to you. You two have been a uh, partners in crime at the back end of that uh, pit defense for a little while now. Uh, talk about your relationship with him on the field. Yeah. Um, on the field, shoot. It's like, <laughs> it's like yin yang, not even bad and good. It's like, I know where he's going to be. He know where I'm going to be type thing. Um, like he's literally my right hand, whatever I'm making a call. He's okay. Yeah. 
he making a call, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm rocking with that. Um, and I think having that, having that comfortability with one another, it's like, I know where you're going to be at all times. So when I make this call, I know, okay, he has my back. He has my help no matter what type thing. Um, and that, shoot, playing football comfortable, there's no better feeling. Can you think of a play last year where one of you might have made a call and then it resulted in the other guy making a play? Is there, a, is there anything off the top of your head? Honestly, there's probably way too many examples. Probably happens a few times a game. <laughs> it probably happens too much. <laughs> there's plenty of opportunities where I might call something knowing that, hey, B Hill, um, this concept I feel like is coming. Make sure you make sure you sit low right here for a little bit or make hey, Ehow, I feel like they're about to try to go FTB and attack me. Da 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 da. Let's make play this cover so we can make sure we we share this up and it's resulted in big play. So Pitt fans know we've been talking about it all offseason, how loaded this pit defense is. Uh how ready is this defense for September 1st? What's it like every day in practice, knowing that that number of days until that game is getting smaller and smaller? How do you feel? Um, shoot. The anticipation is crazy. We wish it was tomorrow. <laughs> so do we. Like, we always talk about, like, okay, these are the games, like, like you grow up that you want to play in type thing. Um, like, we went to uh, – where we go? We went to Penn State our sophomore year. Wide out, crazy. Um, I think they came here 2018. Um, it was a pretty close to a sold out crowd. Um, like these are the games that you that you pray for. College game day, prime time. Like I I don't know how much better you can make the situation. Um, this is the biggest stage. Go out and show out. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I know you guys have been getting asked all camp, but are you starting to hate West Virginia yet? Have they been able to instill that in you? I think so. Um, like you said, being from Texas, I, I didn't really get the get the rivalry or whatever, so I kind of tried to stay out of it. But um, I could officially say Country Roads have become one of my like, – it's become like a double champ to me. So I, <laughs> It's a mission accomplished by the coaches. Absolutely. So you had three interceptions last year. Brandon Hill had two. That means you each got your fair share of chances at the turnover dunk contest. Who has the best turnover dunk on the defense right now? <laughs> Who has the best turnover dunk? Um, shoot, probably Quez, honestly. I just do the same dunk every time. I'm not going to lie. I'll be tired. <laughs> I'll What's be the go-to? What's the go-to for you? Just, just a simple windmill. I make it look the same every time. Um, Probably Quez, though. He always tries to mix it up. Um, I don't know if you go in his mirror and practice or whatever. I ain't going to disclose all that. But um, probably Quez. I always say Nate Robinson out there. <laughs> you shouldn't tell him that. He, <laughs> it's a compliment. He's a good dunker. All right. Well, we talked about a song that you hate. Here's a song that we've recently found out that the Pitt team likes a lot. Uh, how many times is When I See You getting played at practice? Whew. Honestly? I'm keeping it real with you. It used to get played a lot until he realized when it comes on, practice stops. Uh. <laughs> like practice stops and everybody's just singing. So um, usually now we just play it a couple times during warm up, um, during during like walkthrough and stuff like that, just so we can get out there, get the energy going or whatever. But once we start practice, we can't play it because 
once we start playing it, helmets come off. Everybody just out there singing. Who started? Who that? Who who got the ball rolling on when I see you? Honestly, it's just a song that everybody likes. Everybody knows. Um, and so, like, every time it comes on, it's like an anthem. Everybody just starts to sing it type thing. And then I guess Doozy finally got hip to it, and he started to play it at the team meetings, and he saw how we reacted, the energy that we had from that. And then I think a couple weeks ago, he started playing it at practice. And then he started to see increasing energy at practice type thing. And so it's just kind of trickled down from there. I did not peg Narduzzi as a Fantasia guy, but something new every day. Exactly. Well, hopefully we can get that playing through the stadium on September 1st. When you guys are up big against the Mountaineers. Absolutely. I pray that we play that. Yes. <laughs> Maybe replace Sweet Caroline. I don't know. We'll, we'll reach out to uh, Heather like see, see what she has to say about that. But I don't know if she'll be too big of a fan of that. <laughs> well, We'll try to, you know, we can maybe pull some strings. The Loyal Suns have a little bit of pull around these parts nowadays, so. Do what you can. <laughs> but, no, this has been great. Eric, we appreciate you hopping on with us. Looking forward to September 1st. Looking forward to a big redshirt senior year campaign for you. And maybe a few, maybe a little bit more creativity on the turnover dunks. Can we, can we get that out of you? I'll, I'll, I'll get to practicing. I need to anyway. All right. Maybe one of those uh, hoops you can put on your door. You can just practice in your dorm. I and just got one. Speaking of that, there I'm you go. Out. So, so I'm about to. I'm hip. I'm about to start practicing. Love to hear it. Perfect. Well, we love to hear it. Uh, we'll see you on September 1st down at Heinz Field, Ackershore, whatever we want to call it, down on the North Shore. <laughs> but uh, we can't wait. So appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your time. I know you got to get back to work. So uh, hail to Pit. Hail to Pit. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Say a bit. Yes, sir. Have a good day. Subscribe to Pittsburgh Sports Live on YouTube. That's our partner, Pittsburgh Sports Now's YouTube channel. You don't want to miss any of the video content we've got coming out. If you subscribe, that way you'll never miss it. Make sure to tune in to future episodes as we work through this camp season. We'll be talking to players, former players, people associated with the program, and a whole bunch of people who love Pitt as we count down the days to the Backyard Brawl on September 1st. As always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.